0: Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. ESPN NBA insider Jay Williams joins Wolf and Luke to talk NBA and the
1: Suns. Brought to you by Midwestern University Clinics in Glendale. Faculty and graduate student-led comprehensive health care. Visit mwuclinics.com to schedule an appointment. Hour number two of the show, live from the Auction Community Studios. It is Wolf and Luke, and we are joined right now on the Arizona Sports Line by the co-host of Keyshawn J. Will and Max. Jay Williams joins us as he does each and every week. Jay made us feel better last week, Wolf, or at least made me feel better with his <laughs> his uh, thoughts on the
2: Suns. Jay, Will, what's going on, man? What's up, boys? How you de- how you guys doing? Doing all right. We're doing great, Jay. Thank you so much for joining us right now. I've got a question for you right out of the gate, right now. Are you ready for this, Jay? Born ready for it. <laughs> Do you think teams fear the Phoenix Suns? Oof. Um, I got you right. I mean, that
3: was, that was yeah, a little I mean, deep, whoa, right whoa, there. Whoa, whoa, you threw me off. We hit a lot of <laughs> turbulence. I wasn't ready for it. You know what? I, I think that there is. You know, I'm trying to answer it not in one of these hot take luck waves. I, <laughs> I, I think there is still a slight element of fear with Kevin Durant but the series of injuries kind of take away from that because he like you know you're starting to say well when KD is healthy like that's been just said a lot yeah over the last several years you obviously know but it's like the ankle injury how will he come back off of that it was the knee injury before so that leading into it I, I think Devin Booker is lethal but it doesn't like first off, in NBA, like nobody believes one man could beat five, and I think people look at CP3 as aging, right? So yeah. I mean, look, he's averaging his career low in points per game, and he's turning thirty-eight in May. So, and 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 we or Monty talk about this. Uh, the post-presser versus Oklahoma City, where it's like, I, I kind of look at Shay Gilders-Alexander as somebody like, he is a dog. He can go. Young, all game long, relentless, right? It feels like there's a different feel. Now, we have yet to see Devin Booker and CP3 and KD and all hit their stride, right? I, I think there's an element of fear, but like I, like to me, Giannis is somebody who's feared. Like, Giannis is feared, right? Um, because you know he's going to keep coming. Like Joel and B is starting to be feared, I, but I don't know if too many players in the league are as feared as as those guys. Because I, I once again, the only caveat for me, Wolf around that is Katie's injuries over the last couple of years. He's Yo. injured a lot, so always feels like he's battling back. Even though he hits the ground running, like you you do, kind of wonder like, is this going to be a theme? For him at this stage of his career. Jay, I just. I don't know if that answers I, your question, but no. I took a I took a swing at it.
2: <laughs> I, I, you no, know, you did, but I want to follow it up by saying this right here. In the game of football, can I tell you, intimidation matters it does it still does if, if 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 you think this guy is a bad you know what okay it it shows up a lot and if you know a guy is afraid of you you have the advantage it helps you on the field it does intimidation matters does it matter is there intimidation in the game of basketball I mean, look. I'll give you a good old NCAA
3: tournament reference. Considering we're in the midst of March Madness, uh, you know, heading upon the Sweet Sixteen. Duke was a five seed. That's my squad. Okay, Duke got punched in the mouth Wolf, within the first five minutes against Tennessee. Yeah. Like me as a Hooper, the things I would do to you in the first minute of the game. I'm initiating contact. I'm gonna put my shoulder in your chest. I'm gonna give you a random elbow. I'm gonna blitz you, because right out of the gate, I want you to know that I'm the one initiating the physicality, right? I want you to have to respond to me, because when you respond to me, I get you lost in our individual battle. You're not thinking about the team. You're thinking about me, right? So there are 1,000% intimidation tactics that are utilized. And trust and believe, like, I've been around it with Kevin Durant. I've seen KD talk trash to me about random betting watching games, right? There is an intimidation level to him. Now, I will ask you this. Do you think is Devin Booker intimidating?
2: That's right there is a great question. I think uh, Devin Booker is a great competitor. I think he's smoldering the way he goes about his business. I think he is tough. Um, I don't think he's necessarily intimidating. I I don't think he's necessarily intimidating, no.
3: Well, is CP3 at this stage of his career, is he intimidating? No.
2: No, yes. DeAndre Ayton. DeAndre,
3: I mean, look, I'm going to tell you honestly, like, if I were playing on one leg, I would try to run through DeAndre and just see how exactly. he responds to it. Yes. Yeah.
2: No right? Exactly so, like, right. like, if
3: you're saying that the, the one missing link, Wolf, of intimidation is a guy that is also, could, that's where my thesis comes back into play, right? It's, Kevin Durant can be that missing link. You just need KD to be full. You need KD to be like not gingerly coming off injury, not working his way in. If KD is full, everything else feeds off of Kevin Durant. But
2: you know what's interesting, right Jay? I, I don't think even Kevin Durant has a physicality reputation. Do you? Yeah, but it's not
3: it's not it's not a physicality reputation, it's an or right. reputation with yes. him, right? But that's a little Kevin bit Durant, different though. Right? Yeah, agreed, agreed. Right, but like that's but that's also it's kind of proven my point, though, Wolf, right? Like, if you're a physical team, like, that would be my mantra to go against Phoenix. I'm going to try to out-physical them. I'm going to try to get them off their game. Yeah. Because at the end of the day, like, if Kevin Durant is slightly unsure of his physical ability because he's coming off back-to-back injuries, like, the rest of the crew, like, I, I do wonder about that soul there. And I know that KD can bring that soul and raise it. It's, it's like a poker game. It's like, oh, okay, like, like I know what my hand is, but if you don't know what my hand is, I, I'm all in. You're like, boy, you're all in. Wait a second. What? like, It makes everybody else think. But like, Kevin Durant is the all-in factor. But if Kevin Durant isn't sure or isn't full throttle, like you're looking at your opponent saying, I know what kind of hand you have. <sighs> and that's kind of the problem.
1: Jay Williams, great stuff. Always, always enjoy talking to you, man. Thank you for the time.
3: All right, boys. Have a good one. Thanks a lot, Jay. Wolf, good luck with that question. Okay, <laughs> No, thank you, Jay. <laughs> He's been asking Appreciate everybody right now. Thank you. <laughs> All
1: right, guys. All right. That's uh, Jay Williams, the co host of Keyshawn, Jay Will, and Max, joining us right there on the Arizona Sports Line. When we come back, we'll go NFL. Could Cam Newton be the next Geno Smith? We'll explain. It's, uh, it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Well, if you're looking for the next Geno Smith, Wolf, maybe it's Cam Newton. Nerd. Here's, uh, here's Keyshawn, who, uh, of course, hosts Keyshawn, J. Will, and Max. We just had Jay Will on the show. Now here's a, a cut of Keyshawn talking about Cam Newton.
0: Can he have a Randall Cunningham, uh, Minnesota Vikings rebirth? Yes, he can. Can he have a Geno Smith rebirth? Yes, he can. Do I believe so? I I, I think he can in the right situation. It's a,
1: a little bit different, I would argue, than Geno, because Geno never really got Going until last year. Like, he had a couple moments with the Jets, and, you know, he was a decent backup with Seattle. But Cam Newton has been an MVP in this league before, right? I mean, he almost won a Super Bowl. He was in the Cardinals' way the year that they had arguably their best team since their Super Bowl run in, uh, what was that, 09? So, no. Um, It's a little bit different, but right now where they are in their careers, like Cam Newton where he is today to where Geno Smith was a year or two ago, there are some similarities. And the reason this is coming up is because Cam Newton is throwing at Auburn's Pro Day. Tell me how these randoms keep getting jobs. Don't worry about it. I'm going to say, I can't wait to say, I love it. That doesn't fire you up. I don't know what it does.
2: <laughs> How all these randoms keep getting these jobs, we need said to, Cam Newton. We need to save that for. You ever. know, honestly, right now, have you ever been called a random? Uh, is, is that I, well, necessarily a bad thing? It's not a great thing.
1: I feel like, for the most part, when you get called a random, it's you don't realize you've been called it, right? Like,
2: these, <laughs> you're the last guy in the room yes. to actually well, realize like, all these you're randos a that walk by our window during the
1: show. They don't know I just called them that. Uh, uh,
2: Right. Is, that what, is that the short, randos? Oh, yeah, yeah, I don't have time no, to wait, say is random. That, I go, rando. Is that on social yes. media? Is that what they I don't call know them where randos? It came okay, from. Ancient Greece. I don't I, know. I love that, randos. <laughs> but think, look at all those randos
1: out there right now. They're out there doing news work. News, news, serious stories.
2: Answer this question very carefully. Okay, very carefully <laughs> okay. right now. All right. Did you just make that up, randos? No, randos out there. Oh, okay. Yes. It's been out there. Some rando okay. came up with it. So there was some. There's slang that is is out there in other words for random because saying the word random is just it's too much work so you have to shorten it to rando because you have to say it. yeah you don't save okay. a syllable but you do save a letter and that's what matters okay great so now that we've got that clear right there these randos Thank that you, are Cam. Out there cam newton um This is a tough situation for Cam Newton. Cam Newton is one of these guys you bring in, your team will never be the same (laughs) because it's Cam Newton. And he is maybe one of the most imposing quarterbacks in the history of the game when you think of his stature and you think of his athleticism and you think of his accomplishments in the past. And this is Cam Newton. Um... And you also think of the impact he might have or might not have on your locker room. Is that good or bad? There's a lot of question marks that surround Cam Newton, correct? Yeah, yeah. And he's he's
1: been in the league for you know a while now. What was his rookie year was 2011. Uh, you know, I he mentioned he's one league MVP. He's been to the Super Bowl. He <laughs> infamously didn't fall on a fumble in the Super Bowl. But uh, you're right. That's not somebody you necessarily just bring in and they're like, Cam, you go sit quietly in the corner, right? I'm sure we won't notice you at all if you're the backup. Yes. So... Uh, It's teams are typically so desperate for quarterbacks that I think if obviously if he can still play, he's going to get a job. He just I I'm the guy and I've said this before. I'm the guy in the fantasy football league who kept taking Cam Newton late the last few, not last year, but like the previous the the last couple years of, of what was really his career thinking like oh Cam Newton in the 23rd round. That's a steal, right? He hasn't been good in a
2: long time. Yeah, I at know. At the NFL. Like we're going back to like 2018. Yeah, I know. Remember, he, he was just getting a little sideways. The The whole Cam Newton situation. Um, he just seemed to be, I don't know, um, forgetting himself and becoming full of himself when he was still with the Carolina
1: Panthers. Well, part of that uh, Twitter clip I just played for you makes it sound like he's full of himself.
2: <laughs> These randoms? Here, let
1: me play it again just in case you missed it. Tell me how these randoms keep getting chimes. Don't worry about it. I'm going to say I can't wait to say it. I love it. I
2: love it. At the very least, he thinks he he's better than the randoms. What did he say right there? I can't wait. <laughs> what, what was he saying? I don't know. Okay, I great. Don't. It's inaudible, yeah. as we would say, mm-hmm. in the business right there. Cam Newton. Yeah, Cam is not a guy. You just you just don't say we're going to bring in Cam Newton. <laughs> we were talking about Lamar Jackson. Uh-huh. We were talking about Lamar and the difficulties. that Now, not for the same reasons, obviously. Cam Newton. You, you, you have to think about Cam Newton differently than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson is one of the most squared-away dudes uh, in the league. This is one of the guys that you'd look at and know is going to be a great pro and a great teammate as soon as you brought him in there. Cam Newton, I I think you've you've got question marks as to whether or not that would actually work out that way.
1: I'll give Cam credit. The... um the the post that we just played the audio of. But on, you just
2: don't get Lamar Jackson and bring him in. You've got to have a plan to bring him in. And I would say the same thing about Cam Newton. You just don't bring Cam Newton into your locker room and think he's going to be your backup quarterback. you got to have a plan with Cam.
1: The video that he posted, he put subtitles up on there. So you were asking what he said? Yeah. And he said, ah. A lot. Ah. <laughs> so what it sounded like is actually what it was. There was no hidden meaning. there. Like if you play it backwards, maybe it says
2: like, <laughs> "Okay, I'm so sign he, with so the in Jets. other words, he's not very happy with some of the random." Uh, he looks pretty happy in the shot. video. Oh, okay. he's, I mean, he's
1: dancing around and working out and throwing uh, that looks like a hundred fifty yard pass. So that's a pretty good camera angle. But, okay, uh, here you you're wondering who Cam Newton is? How about this? Cam Newton,
3: quarterback, Auburn. That's.
0: Six feet 5 inches, and nearly 250 pounds, Newton is a freakish combination of size, speed, and agility. Last year, the Heisman Trophy Award winner ran for nearly 1,500 yards and threw for over 2,800 yards with a combined 50 touchdowns in those two categories. That's the good part. The bad? He was arrested for theft of a laptop computer in the fall of 2008 and allegations of academic cheating while at the University of Florida. And then there was the infamous NCAA investigation of money sought by his father, Cecil, during Newton's 2009 recruiting process. And although Newton did lead the Auburn Tigers to a national championship last year, these character and maturity questions have some wondering if he can do the same in the NFL. But somebody will take that chance, someone with a very high draft pick, as Newton is expected to be a top three pick.
1: See, we just need to get Cam Newton to retweet that profile on his. If you send this out to team, and maybe not the second half, Cam, but send the first half out to teams. <laughs>
2: Oh, my goodness. It was a loaded so, draft profile. <laughs> that was well said by David Charles Burns. Again, you know it's it's an
1: older draft profile if, if <laughs> Burns, he still had to actually voice them. He wasn't above voicing the draft profile at that okay, time. Okay,
2: so it's not just Cam Newton that actually got signed out there or, not, or was looking to be signed. It was a great tactic, by the way, to go to the Auburn Pro Day. Mm-hmm. That was smart from Cam Newton, right? I, I would imagine. Of course, that's a smart thing for him to do. But some of the other signings out there, did you? happen to see this Uh, Well, the Texans. yes. Yeah, and Dalton Schultz. And Dalton Schultz. So
1: that, to me, would seem to indicate Houston's not. Okay, you make those signings. You're not trying to win the Super Bowl this year, but you're trying to build. Here's Jason Fitz on uh, Fitz and Harry. It seems general manager Nick Casario and new coach D'Amico Ryans are perfectly okay with staying put and taking a passer here. To me, Harry, that means that what we're hearing is that the Texans seem not to have a huge line in the sand between quarterback one and quarterback two in their mind. Like, they've got to have two guys they're very comfortable with if they're comfortable staying at two and taking a quarterback. And they must be comfortable with. Because of who they just, you go out and get Devin Singletary, okay, I mean, he's, he's a decent running back. You go out there and get Dalton Schultz, that was the best tight end available this year.
2: Yeah, yeah, you know, again, um, I'd like a lot more physicality out of him at the point of attack. That's just me, you know me. Yes. I, I want a tight end who we're going to line up in 11 personnel. We're going to line up with three wides and a tight end where you don't know if we're going to run the ball or throw the ball. On first and ten, in rundown situation, you have no idea what we're going to do. Because we're capable of lining up in that tight end, come off the ball, knock your face off. <laughs> you got to have it. If you're going to have 11 personnel be your number one personnel group, as so many teams in the NFL did a couple of years ago. It was all eleven personnel. Even last year, I would say that. But we're seeing more teams start to adopt a twelve personnel in rundown situation. First and ten, second and one to six. But if you're going to have eleven personnel be your predominant personnel group in rundown situation, you better have a tight end who can knock somebody's face off. Period. Or you you're. T- you're- you're, you're you're really running 10
1: personnel out there. Okay, let me rephrase it. The highest-priced tight end out there, for Houston to be able to pay that price tag. He's a tag.
2: good tight end. He's good. But he really is. Within the context
1: of, of the Houston Texans, that is not a team that's like, oh, we're done for a while. You don't go out and sign Dalton Schultz if you're playing for three years from now.
2: Really interesting. The Houston Texans signed him to one-year contracts. Yeah. Both those guys. See that was curious. This is uh, I. This marks the beginning of one-year contracts to me. What the Houston Texans did. This marks the beginning of it. Why would Dalton Schultz sign a one-year contract with the Houston Texans? That's a risk if you're Dalton Schultz. Why would Devin Singletary sign a one-year contract? With the Texans. Schultz, though, has a...
1: Schultz, in particular, is coming off a a really good season in a really good situation for him. And Devin Singletary... I mean, everybody in Houston is going to be... Their production is going to depend on the quarterback, and you don't even know who it is yet. But not nearly as much as Schultz. Schultz could go there for one year and put up miserable numbers. And then what he's going to get next
2: year is not going to be nearly as good. Yeah. You know, for me right now, I could understand why Devin Singletary might actually think, yeah, you know, what? I'm going to go to the Houston Texans. That's what I'm going to do. Well, they don't really have a set running back yet. Yeah, right. Exactly. I guess they do. I don't know if Pierce. Well, but, well but still. still, you know what? I'm going to get uh, an opportunity out there to actually run the ball because who's their quarterback? <laughs> right now, nobody. Who, who's their quarterback? See, Dalton Schultz, what, Dalton, what are you doing?
1: That's what I'm saying. That's He's right? taking a much bigger risk with a
2: much smaller potential payoff. <laughs> right. So that was interesting. Oh, wait a minute. Wait. Why would he? T- oh, because they're going to pay him $9 million. Oh, that's, that's, that's why. That's why. Okay. Boy, I wonder what their report was from the NFLPA. What was their report? Well, you know what? It really doesn't matter in the end.
1: Not when you're getting $9 million. Uh, Text us your thoughts. The FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. We come back. What are three things you'd change about the Suns? I'm going to grant you three wishes when we come back, Wolf. The rule is, though, you can't say Kevin Durant's name in the the next segment. All right. It's a Kevin Durant. Like, we keep set that separate because it's just assumed number one would be bring KD back. Okay. Okay. That's next. But it's not the sound of silence. No, 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 no. (laughs) We talk about Kevin Durant the rest of the show if you want. But that's just twelve from Green Bay. We have not said his name in twenty-four hours. It's beautiful. Uh, all right, that's next. It's Wolf and Luke in Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Seven, Booker in one. All right. Well, the first one for me is is fairly easy. And you brought up the numbers earlier uh, in the show. I want the defense back. And I know you gave up Mikkel Bridges, so you're going to take a hit defensively. And Kevin Durant's not playing, so you're going to take a hit defensively. But this is, this doesn't have to be rooted in reality. I, this is whatever I want to change about the Suns right now. I don't want to be giving up 124, 113, 116, 123, and 128 in my last five games. And 126 two games before that. So I want the defense back, Wolf, because that was always the foundation you could lean on with this team.
2: Okay, yeah, that's good right there. I'm not going to say that that may not be one of my three pointers. Let me start with this, Basin Ordinance. My first point of Sun's three pointer. Get to the line. Can you get to the line, brothers? The Suns have a reputation in the association of being a mid-range team. I think we all know that. And even when KD gets back, I think they still have that reputation. If the referees don't want to call a foul, Luke, if they don't want to call it, force them to make a decision on something. Force them to call a foul. Put the ball on the floor and attack. Book needs to get better. I think at drawing contact, he's really, really good at taking the ball to the rack. As we all know, he's got to get better at drawing contact. Like, oh, I don't know, Luka Doncic maybe put the ball. on The, the worst floor. part is
1: I don't want Booker's game to turn into Luca's game. Well, you don't know? fake it. That's no. all
2: you. I don't want. I don't want him to fake it. Get right. hacked.
1: Luca has talent, but it's such a hard watch at this point that you don't even see the talent half the time. Booker is still, I mean, that's a fun player to watch. It's just, it's going to get frustrating. If it DA get
2: needs to stop being finesse and get to the line. Campaign needs to be under control, but attack and bring contact. That's my first point of sons three-pointer.
1: Payback 14-footer is two points. Dynamite. Right, my second one's actually pretty clear too. I want to see let's say two guys on the bench consistently step up. And and I'm gonna include I'm not gonna include Josh Okogee, I think that's separate because he's he's pretty well established, I would say, as the fifth starter when they have everybody playing. But I am gonna include Tori Craig in that group. It's been the most disappointing part of this run lately, other than Kevin Durant getting hurt, is at least the one thing you might be able to get out of it is, okay, well, here's a chance for some of these guys to sort of establish and show what they can do and and give themselves some confidence going into the playoffs. And nobody really consistently on that bench has established themselves as a guy you have to play in a playoff game.
2: Okay, Luke, my second point of Suns three-pointer has got to be play defense like the Phoenix Suns. The Suns have got to get back to playing the kind of defense we all expect. Can I get an amen on that, ladies and gentlemen? Well, you can because it was my first pick, so yes. They are, they are still the number four team in the league in points allowed. Does that shock you? They're still the number six team in the league in field goal percentage allowed. But in this five-game window, the last five games, They have allowed 128, 123, 116, 113, and 124 points. Defense is part of who they are. And when you think of how different they look as a team lately, to me, it starts on the defensive end of the floor. Where's my Phoenix Suns D and A? Where is it? And that's my second point of Suns 3-Pointer.
3: Three-pointers. <laughs> hey! That's just
0: showing us on the
1: All right, my third point of Suns 3-Pointer. Look, it probably should be something about fouls or officiating or getting the officials out of your head, but you already brought that up, and I don't, I don't want to repeat it. So I'm going to go specifically with one player in particular. And I know I know, I said I want two guys to step up on the bench, but I, I separate almost from that, they got to figure out consistently how to get something out of campaign. Because there are moments where he's, you know, the last couple games before the Oklahoma City game, you look and you're like, okay, he's good. He's fine. If if Chris Paul has to miss, not miss, but if he has to sit for 20 minutes in a game or he just needs a bre- or, you know, some sort of break or he, whatever, anything that could happen in the playoffs that, that hasn't already happened to Chris Paul, you can go to campaign. But then you see a game like the Oklahoma City game and he just, two points. And six assists, six rebounds. But um, even that, if you want to put that as one of his better games lately, he was wildly inconsistent before that. They need to get campaign back on track. That might be the most important player to get on track.
2: Will you please stop talking? I can't ripped off my third point, and that is it. You know what I'm going to do right here, my. You know what? Why not just double down? May as well. It's the same point. The truth, right? Okay, my third point of Suns three-pointer, get their bench going. Speaking of campaign, get their bench going. He might hold the key to the rest of the season for the Phoenix Suns. But Damian Lee has got to pick up his three ball. Can I get an amen on that yes. one? Yes. Torrey Craig needs to be that 3 and D guy that he is. Campaign needs to come off the bench and be the player he was two years ago. They, they have got to get the bench playing up to their capabilities it may not be good enough in the end but if they don't get it right it's just not gonna be good enough and that's my third point a son's three pointer see the shots that I took like a
1: see he should be he should be feared as a player just because he's in songs he would think that that would be Songs and not yes. like in a in a joking way. Uh, we'll get back into that conversation later on in the show too. Is your bracket busted? Don't worry, madness maniacs. You still have a shot at five hundred dollars if you just text bucks to six twenty six twenty. We're going to send you a link to fill out your sixteen team bracket. That's bucks to six twenty six twenty. It's the Arizona Sports Bracket Bucks presented by Santan Ford and Schwartz Laser Eye Center. All right, we come back. How much was the old regime holding Kyler Murray back? One former cardinal thinks that was most of the problem. We'll explain next it's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, The Local Sports Leader. Wolf and Luke Midday's, Arizona Sports, The Local Sports Leader. Story that popped up on Twitter last night, courtesy of Kyle Odegaard, who uh, works at Compare. that used to work, used to cover the Cardinals. Everybody knows Kyle, I think, in this this uh, town, if you follow the Cardinals, okay? Kyle. He has a, uh, he used to be on the Cardinals pregame show. He has a um, a story up where he talked to Frank Sanders, who, again, I think every if you're a Cardinals fan, you you know Frank Sanders. Of course. Well. Love Frank, by the way. What up, Frankie? Frank Sanders, who I believe I've only met twice, maybe, that dude has enthusiasm about everything. He's fantastic. And it's like legitimate, too. It's not like, you know, some people are like, oh, I'm so excited about everything. No, he's like legitimately. Um, So the story, Frank Sanders has a few interesting quotes in here. I'm just going to read you a couple of them. If if they are not gone, maybe they are gone. <laughs> Talking about uh, Kyler Murray, okay, okay. Uh, his first one, Kyler Murray's next on quarterback. I would have, I love to play with Kyler Murray, but not Kyler Murray in the offense he just left. Ah, uh, he goes on. It's the difference between designing an offense around your players and thinking the players should just run your offense. Those are night and day differences. As you can see the effects of it. With Kyler, you just sat him in the pocket and said, make it happen. That's not being an offensive coordinator. That's not maximizing your talent. That's saying, make me look great, uh, unquote. Now, there's more in here we can get to. But you can read that as a shot at Cliff Kingsbury, because it is. But you can also read it as a, a lot of what you've been
2: saying, Wolf. Maybe the time for some, some change is, is upon us now. Oh, no. There's there's definitely change that has got to happen with this offense going forward, and we all know what that change is. It is the evolution of this offense going forward in terms of being a lot more physical, in terms of actually putting Kyler Murray under center more. Again, I'm not talking about him taking 40 snaps from under center. I- I'm not. I'm talking about the blend of all of that, and anybody that has listened to this show, you know exactly what I'm talking about, but Kyler Murray's got to get out on the edge. How do you get him out on the edge? A lot of the times, you're going to run that tackle zone. It's, It's some of the best play action you can possibly have where you can line somebody up. Think about 12 personnel with the Arizona Cardinals. Think about having a stud tight end, okay, and then having Zach Ertz as a move tight end. And you're lined up in in, in the the formation where both tight ends are on either side, and then you've got two receivers outside of that, and then you've got James Conner with his toes at seven yards getting ready to attack the line of scrimmage. And then you got Kyler Murray under center, boom, or even in the pistol. Even if you want to do that, that's fine, but you're going to be moving him around, and then you can attack the line of scrimmage. And when you do that, there is an inalienable right that every quarterback has, and that's to see the second level suck up and then throw the in route over the middle. And this is what I think awaits Kyler Murray. Play action, true play action, and not only that, but play action where you've got the bootlegs. The boot, which is to the strength of the formation, and the waggle, which is to the weak side of the formation. But it's still a fake, and then the bootleg getting Kyler Murray out on the edge and letting him throw the ball. So
1: this is a conversation that you and I have had, obviously, a lot last offseason. And then we saw more and more people have it during the season. We had Lorenzo Alexander in here quite a bit talk about what it looks like from a defensive perspective, right? This is a conversation that is not new to you or I at all. But uh, uh, what you just said, I'm going to read you another quote here from Frank Sanders because I, I wonder... If Frank Sanders is saying it, and more and more people are saying it, and the Cardinals just went out and changed their head coach, and they're changing a lot of their team, I, I do wonder if it's legitimately a point of emphasis this time. There's another quote from Frank Sanders. He said, arm-wise, arm potential, ability to read. I think Kyler has all those. But the offense didn't feature any part where you could boot him out, roll him out, keep a defense off guard. They just knew they had to get wide from a defensive line perspective and try to keep him in the pocket. And... There's another quote earlier that says Cliff Kingsbury's offense did not have the savvy that should have been displayed with a kid with that much talent. If that's something Kyler can get with the guys we just brought in, you will see Kyler Murray absolutely flourish in the NFL, just like Jalen Hurts, unquote.
2: Okay, so that was Frankie talking about Frank that. Sanders, that's yeah. all Frank Sanders yeah. right there talking about it. Yeah, you know, and, and again, um put him under center. That's what he's saying. You, That's where the bootlegs really take effect. He doesn't always have to be under center, but that's the best action, to me at least, you can possibly have. The best action. Put him under center, and then here it comes. It's, it's a situation where everyone says, well, Kyler Murray can't see over. He, he, he can't see over the offensive line. Look, Russell Wilson has made a living throwing the ball from the pocket. And Russell Wilson has been under center. What a Super Bowl, as a matter of fact. Under center with the Seattle Seahawks doing the exact same thing. And if Russell Wilson at 5'10 and 5'8 can do it, so can Kyler Murray at 5'10 and an eighth. That was, you know, going all the way back to Kyler Murray and Kyler Murray at the Combine. That was the biggest day of his life, because the moment he stepped up and got measured at the Combine, where they're trying to slide three by five cards underneath your heels. Do you remember how big of a
1: story that was
2: to make sure your heels are down to the ground? That's how they're measuring you. Um. Kyler Murray was 5'10 and an 8th, and that changed everything, Basinonians, because what happened is you had a comp. Kyler Murray had a comp, and that comp was Russell Wilson. And Russell Wilson was winning a Super Bowl um, and, and winning, period. So he, Kyler Murray can do it as well. He's just got to be taught how to do it. And see, this is where Kyler has got to embrace it as well. Because it's like anything based on earnings. If you don't want to do something, if you don't want to do a task, if you don't want to do a job that somebody's asking you to do, you're not going to do it well, are no, you?
1: No, you're not going to put your heart into it, and that's that's. I don't want to read every quote because I don't want to gut uh, Kyle's story here on the air. But I mean, there's there's a lot, and I don't mean gut it like take it down. I just don't want to read the whole thing, so people <laughs> don't go click on the story. You know what I mean? There's there's, Luke said gut. there's, uh, there's good stuff uh, in there, but uh, it, the overwhelming um, sentiment from Frank Sanders is one I think a lot of us had, whether whether you completely agree with what Wolf's been saying or not. Kyler Murray looked limited, and it looked limited internally last year. It looked like they were just like, well, okay, just go ahead and just keep running the same play. It'll work, right? No, and I know it wasn't the same play, but come on. I mean, clearly teams, especially teams that had seen the Cardinals a lot by last season, lined up defensively, and it felt like they knew exactly what the Cardinals were going to run, or they at least knew the parameters of what the Cardinals were going to run, and that honestly should be your biggest strength when you have a weapon like Kyler Murray.
2: There's no doubt about it. Um, that's that's what teams did. They came in and they they knew it. And guess what? It's not it's not something that's just about the Arizona Cardinals. It's also something that's about every team in the league. Defensive coordinators are going to figure you out. They're going to figure you out in your offense. It, it, that to me is a given. It's what are you going to do about it? It's one of the reasons why. You have to do what everyone knows you're going to do. You put them under center, you run the tackle zone, or you run some plays attacking the line of scrimmage, the defense is going to know what you're going to do. But sometimes, because of the ability to use play action, they're going to guess. And guess what? They're going to guess wrong. That's the power of it. They're going to come up and say, you're running the ball when you're not. And then you throw it over their heads. And they know they blew it because they bit on the play action. So the next time you know what they do, oh, I'm not biting on that. And the problem is you're running the ball. You can see the inherent problem and difficulty. And it's been around the game of football since the very beginning, my brothers.
1: The biggest takeaway I had after I read the story was we're going to find out. You know what you said before. Kyler Murray's got to be willing to do it. He's got to want to do it, right? It's pretty clear that the plan is to, if it's not to put him under center a specific amount of times, it's to have him under center more. It's to have him be able to run a bootleg or a waggle. It's, it's, it's very clear that some part of that is being asked of him now. The coaching staff, Jonathan Gannon, said it basically in his first. Jonathan Gannon he flat out said it publicly. So. That was when I, I read this story. I was like, "Okay, this is interesting because because it, it is. It's a former player giving you. Anytime a former player gives you their perspective perspective on something like that, I take it with a little more interest, right? Because you're talking <laughs> about the X's and O's of the game." For him to say that, I read the story and I was like, we're going to find out because there's a tinge to the story of it was all Cliff Kingsbury's fault, which I don't believe. Yeah, (laughs) Um, But we're going to find out if Kyler Murray comes back and he's back by week four of the season and he's running this stuff and he looks like Kyler Murray taking the next step by the end of next year, then all is well. If he's still not willing to do this stuff, then we're going to know it was him that wasn't willing to do it.
2: That's going to suck, buttermilk. <laughs> well, I don't think it'll get to that <laughs> point, but let's use logic here, right? Right now, that you know, yes, to use your logic, yes. If he's <laughs> stuck and... Luke is right, everybody. <laughs> if, they're, if,
1: if the offense looks stuck a year from now and they're not trying anything new, then I, I think at a certain point you have to
2: look at the guy that's been here for all of it. The worst thing in the world is knowing what an offense is going to do and not being able to stop it. See, that is the beauty. That is the beauty of lining up and jamming the ball down somebody's throat. Now I have something worse.
1: The worst thing is knowing what your offense is going to try to do, knowing it's not going to work, and watching it not work. That's worse. But I hear what you're saying. Okay. From a def- You're talking from a defensive perspective. I'm talking about no. from a fan's perspective. If you can tell what your offense is going to run, and it's not working, and it just doesn't work... That's annoying.
2: Are you talking about the jet sweep? <laughs> Are you talking about that? I'm talking about a variety of different <laughs> things. And, and one. And, and I'm, I'm not talking well, about Now I am, yes. Are you talking about the wide receiver screen? I, I
1: mean, look, this extends so to other you please teams. Please stop this, this, it. This, no, this extends to ASU during the Dennis Erickson see, era. Okay. This extends to multiple teams. All right, coming up next, uh, all of today's top sports stories in one place, Wolf and Down Your Lunch. It's Wolf and Luke on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.